Hi, my name is Winifred Mock, and this is Wynn's Literary Corner. This is the second episode of this podcast, and today we're going to look at narrative and meaning. I will be looking at poetry today, but if you're not really into poems, don't worry. We will be looking at prose and other texts through this podcast. So today's podcast is about narrative and meaning, and in poetry, because the form is so condensed, usually there's a lot of depth and sort of hidden meaning in poetry. So the first thing that I always ask my students is, what is the surface meaning? What is the obvious sort of story to this poem? And then secondly, what's the deeper meaning? What are the universal themes or the message that the poet is trying to convey? And usually it's this universal meaning that makes a text timeless and therefore relevant in any age. This is important to identify because if you don't talk about the surface meaning, then it's almost like you've skipped over what the story is about, what the narrative is about. And if you skip the deeper meaning, then it's almost like, well, you're only looking at the surface, aren't you? The first poem I'm going to look at today is uh, Robert Frost's The Road Not Taken. It's one of my favorite poems. And strangely enough, the first time I came across this poem was not in English class, but in math class. So Mr. White, my math teacher at the time, basically gave us this poem in the first class and said, okay, uh, figure it out. <laughs> he didn't even he didn't even explain anything. So a few of the nerds of the class basically went home and analyzed the poem mathematically in terms of the words and the letters or whatever. I don't know what they did. They tried to make maths out of this poem. But the idea that he had, um, my maths teacher, was to basically bring out the universal deeper meaning of this poem, which is uh, the road not taken why don't you try taking the harder path or the path that's less traveled, basically? Um, in maths, don't look for the easy way out. And that's kind of philosophical, I suppose, for a maths lesson. But there you go. I will read the poem to you now, The Road Not Taken by Robert Frost. Two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both and be one traveler long I stood and looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth, then took the other just as fair, and having perhaps the better claim, because it was grassy and wanted wear, though as for that the passing there had warned them really about the same. And both that morning equally lay in leaves no step had trodden back. Oh, I kept the first for another day, yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh, somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. Okay, so uh, with my little story, I've already kind of uncovered a little bit of the deeper meaning. So if you were to write about this poem, then you'd say, okay, surface meaning, there's a guy who's walking through a wood. Uh, forest, and he comes across two paths. It's about the decision which road to take. Now, the deeper meaning of that, the universal message is really this whole poem is an extended metaphor of choice in life. Because many times in life, I mean, we may not be literally walking down a path, but we have two choices and we have to make that decision. And sometimes you don't get that chance, that opportunity to go back and, you know, check the other path out. Sometimes you just have to keep going onwards, right? 
I doubted if I should ever come back. Because, you know, way leads on to way, as Robert Frost writes. So this extended metaphor of life as a road, or life as decisions, is very significant in this poem. Another poem that I'd like to look at today is another Robert Frost poem, because as I mentioned in the previous podcast, with context, you can understand a little bit more about the author and about what he's trying to get from his art, from his poetry, from his writing, by looking at a range of the same writer's work. So this poem is Stopping by Woods on a Snowy Evening. Whose woods these are, I think I know. His house is in the village, though. He will not see me stopping here to watch his woods fill up with snow. My little horse must think it queer to stop without a farmhouse near, between the woods and frozen lake, the darkest evening of the year. He gives his harness bells a shake to ask if there is some mistake, the only other sounds the sweep of easy wind and downy flake. The woods are lovely, dark and deep, but I have promises to keep, and miles to go before I sleep, and miles to go before I sleep. Knowing that Robert Frost likes to use travel as an extended metaphor of life, we can see that in this poem as well, where the surface meaning is that, okay, here's a guy and he's walking through the woods and it's winter. We can see a lot of winter imagery here with the snow, the darkest evening, the frozen lake, the downy flake. And he also has a decision. He's quite enjoying this peaceful setting. He's quite enjoying this atmosphere, this quiet uh, setting. So with a surface meaning, he's walking through, and obviously we have action here where the personification of the horse basically shakes the bells and goes, oh, are, aren't we going? Why are we stopping here? There's nothing here. The key thing for this poem is the ending, and miles to go before I sleep, and miles to go before I sleep. So in this case, sleep could be an extended metaphor for death. And the repetition of the last two lines, and miles to go before I sleep, and miles to go before I sleep, it's actually looking at death as a peaceful end. There's a harmony, there's a, there's a quietness that's represented through this winter scene. But he says, I have promises to keep. I still have things to do, so I have to keep going. And it's almost like, I mean, death is easy. Life is hard. Life, you need to, you know, keep pushing forwards, and life is a struggle. That's basically the dynamic here. We're looking at life and death. And of course, there are lots of literary devices in both these poems that I haven't looked at. Um, we can also talk about the structure, the fact that it's regular, how many stanzas of uh, similar line length. Um, but as I mentioned, I'm not going to go too in-depth. There's a lot of stuff here, but I just wanted to share some of my favorite poems with you. Okay. Now, the final poem that I'm going to look at is William Blake's The Tiger. And this poem, similar to the previous one, I didn't actually come across in English class, even though it was in my poetry collection. This one I came across in a Calvin and Hobbes comic, because Hobbes is obviously a tiger, and there's this really nice comic strip that uses lines from this poem to illustrate the dynamic between the two characters. So let me read this poem to you. The Tiger by William Blake. 
Tiger, tiger, burning bright, in the forests of the night, what immortal hand or eye could frame thy fearful symmetry? In what distant deeps or skies burnt the fire of thine eyes? On what wings dare he aspire? What the hand dare seize the fire? And what shoulder and what art could twist the sinews of thy heart? And when thy heart began to beat, what dread hand and what dread feet? What the hammer? What the chain? In what furnace was thy brain? What the anvil? What dread grasp? Dare its deadly terrors clasp? When the stars threw down their spears and watered heaven with their tears, did he smile his work to see? Did he who made the lamb make thee? Tiger, tiger, burning bright in the forests of the night, what immortal hand or eye dare frame thy fearful symmetry? Okay, so surface meaning of this text is that the author is writing about a tiger uh, in awe of the tiger. There's a lot of forceful or, or violent imagery here. Um, it's quite violent. There's a lot of description. We have a lot of uh, physical body imagery, shoulder, heart, what dread hand, what dread feet. And we also have a lot of sort of weapon, weaponry. What the hammer, what the chain? When the stars threw down their spears. There's a lot of uh, reference to fire as well, perhaps linking to the color of the tiger. The furnace, uh, the fire of thine eyes, right? Okay, so surface meaning is that it's obviously about tiger. Deeper meaning. Now, if you look closely, you'll find that there's a lot of reference to uh, something that's bigger than us, something godly. And there's a lot of questions that the speaker is asking, especially towards the end. Did he smile his work to see? Did he who made the lamb make thee? Now, if you do research and you look into the context of this poem, you'll find that actually William Blake had two collections, Songs of Innocence and Experience. And this poem actually comes from the experience side of things, whereas he also wrote another poem about the lamb, and that one is in Songs of Innocence. So there is a nice dichotomy here. Experience is almost the opposite of innocence in this case. And so, did he who made the lamb make thee actually is a reference within his own poetry. And we know that there is a reference to God, and we have words like heaven, stars, uh, immortal. So, the deeper meaning of this is actually asking God. Did God, who make something so innocent and so pure also make something so fearful and so powerful. It's also interesting to note that the first and the last stanza are almost the same. The last line of the first stanza, could frame thy fearful symmetry, is actually a question, whereas the last line in the last stanza, dare frame thy fearful symmetry, is almost an answer as a rhetorical question. So next time you write about a poem or text, don't forget to summarize what is the narrative, what's the story in this piece, and then dig deep and find what are the layers of meaning. There are layers upon layers of meaning, especially in poetry, and see the significance, the symbolism, and the universal meaning. What is the message, essentially, that the poet is trying to express? 
My name is Winifred Mock, and this is Wynn's Literary Corner. Hope you've enjoyed this podcast, and happy reading.